Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode of When in Romance is brought to you by Book Riot and Book Riot Insiders. Bag your bookish perks with a 14-day free trial of Book Riot Insiders. You can sign up for a monthly or yearly novel subscription, and the first 14 days will be free. You can wishlist upcoming releases that you're dying to read. You can get exclusive podcasts and newsletters. You can enter to win swag. Uh, and you can experience our amazing new release index, which is curated by all the books host and super mega out-of-control reader Liberty Hardy, which will help you keep track of the most exciting upcoming books. So come on in, because your bag of bookish perks is waiting. Go to bookriot.com slash insiders to find out more. Hello, and welcome back to Win in Romance, everybody's favorite place for romance stuff that is book-related. Yeah, we're going to go with that. I'm Jess. <laughs> and I am Trisha, and we have a very special uh, guest this week. Do you want us to introduce you, or do you want us to introduce yourself, special guest? Um, you can introduce me. Oh, excellent. So our amazing special guest is the extraordinarily talented um, a wonderful author, Rebecca Weatherspoon. Uh, we were going to be talking about some things this week that it seemed like she would have a fantastic perspective on. Um, and so we are thrilled to have her. You want to say uh, hello to all of the fine people? Hello, fine people. And hello right back. <laughs> Um, so we're going to jump right in. We Jess and I have a couple of uh, boring housekeeping things. Actually, they're not boring. None of our content is boring. Never. We're the most exciting podcast ever. Absolutely. Uh, so we're going to get that done while Rebecca, you know, finds herself some tea or wine or something. And then we will jump in to our, our intense content. <laughs> uh, so I told you three minutes ago what our housekeeping things were, Jess, and I have already forgotten and lost my note. Do you happen to remember that? Absolutely. The first is we have a recommendations episode coming up, and we want to know oh, yeah. what you want. So send us uh, your requests for books. Please, just books. Um, that, <laughs> book types that you would like to read um, in the future. And um, you can send those to us through the usual ways. That will be in the show notes and at the end of the episode. And if you are trying to find uh, an amazing romance for someone that you are gift buying for this holiday season, we can help you out with that, too. Absolutely. And the other thing is, of course, the reminder to check out E.B. Zoboy's Pride for the great big romance read that we're really excited <laughs> to participate in next month. Great big romance read. Have you have either of you guys read it, Jess or Rebecca? Not yet. It's, I'm going to read it for the romance read. I'm excited. Well, of course. Yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, because it's your friends over at the Rift Bodice who are uh, sort of hosting the great big romance read. Yeah. And I I was really excited. I, mean, I guess we'll go a little off here. Um, I was really excited when I heard about it because I'm, I've been wanting more adaptations of kind of classics and favorite stories. And they're like remaking every movie ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I mean, you can remake every movie and rewrite every book if you like put people of color in it, because then that that really like changes the dynamic. So I was really really excited when I heard about it. And I actually, I t- all my family is like everyone in my family is educators. So when it came, oh awesome, yeah, I I text my whole family and I was like, for all the teens in your life, like everybody needs to get this book. So like my whole family is pretty excited about it. Awesome. That is amazing. And uh, like I said, you are regularly featured in various Rip Bottas social media posts and vice versa. So um, you seem to have some friends in high places. <laughs> it's weird because for me, it's like sideways places. You know, sometimes you just you know, <laughs> yeah. meet people and you click and it just, you know, I met me and Leah and I was like, these chicks are really cool and we hang out. Yeah, yeah they would probably um, think of you as being their friend in high places also. So, well, right. uh, let's, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's, yeah, let's figure out what the hierarchy is. <laughs> There's no better way to end a friendship than trying to figure out what the hierarchy is and going from there. <laughs> we are all, we're equal supportive buddies. That's what we I think that's awesome. Perfect. And actually, that relationship uh, with them, plus your own experiences um, across the board, might we were hoping that you might be able to lend some insight on a, co- a discussion that we had a couple of weeks ago uh, about romance covers. And just, I don't know about you, I feel like this is maybe, it's, it was surprising to me, but I feel like this is maybe the topic of conversation that we have gotten the most feedback on since we've been doing the podcast. And this is episode number 22, but I can't think of anything else that we have heard more from people over social media and comments and emails and whatnot. Absolutely. I think that that's definitely true. Because, I mean, people, we love when you um, respond to questions that we have um, or, you know, conversations that we've had. But this one has been like out of the water and through every single channel that we have, which, Mm -hmm. which has been really interesting to see. Yeah, and super fun. So, Rebecca, you, uh, we won't put you on the spot and ask if you heard it. So we will just revisit that we were talking a little bit about the trend in romance covers. We had talked about Intercepted by Alexa Martin. Um, and we were talking about how that is one of the Berkeley covers, although Berkeley is not the only um, you know, publishing house doing it, but that is sort of moving more towards illustrated covers and trade paperbacks and maybe some higher prices that are associated with some of those covers and what some of, you know, the reasoning behind that might be, what some of the benefits and drawbacks might be. And as I was taking a look at some of your books again this weekend, I was struck again by the fact that you have, you're kind of, your covers are sort of all over the map. Like you've got the, you know, Haven and Sanctuary covers, which are very much, are beautiful in one way. And then uh, you have the So Sweet, You Know, So Right, that that's just trilogy covers, which are beautiful in a different way that does not feature male abs. Um, and then obviously Rafe is a different story and Treasure is a different story. So I don't know. Do you have a, do you have an inclination? Is there a way that you decide what cover you're going to pair with what book or kind of what direction you're going to go? It depends. I mean, I think so for a, a good example like the fit trilogy. Um, oh yeah. The first book in that series, my cover artist, um, I kind of like keep her identity secret cause she's not a full time cover artist. Um, mm-hmm. She found that image. I believe we were kind of talking about the book and she found that first image for the fit cover. Um, and I was like, no, this is perfect. And she kind of came up with a treatment for it. And it was just like, 
All right, beautiful. Off the races. We're doing doodabs for this whole series. <laughs> um, and I ended up, I think I found, I found the tamed image and she found the image for Sated. Um, and then when I, we were doing the So Sweet books, the heroine in that is a plus size black woman. And like, I couldn't find any stock that matched um, what I was thinking of. And the hero in that book is like in shape. Um, I'd like to thank the ladies over at uh, Thirst Aid Kit because Nicole actually posted a picture of Keanu Reeves. And I was like, this has been Michael the whole time. <laughs> oh, that's so, I just read the, uh, for, so I'm, I've one down, I've, I've one still to go, but I read the first two books in that trilogy this weekend. And that, I'm not going to say that's a game changer because Michael is super hot either way, but that is a whole other level. Wow. I'm going to need to process that for a minute. You guys keep, keep you guys keep podcasting. I'm, I'm just going to need a minute to think that through. It all came together with that, like one specific picture of Keanu because him and Michael actually like in the timeline, if we're actually just going on with our lives are the same age too. So that all just like really worked out. But of course I couldn't find a cover model who looked like Keanu. Um, so I was just trying to think of a like what I wanted to look at when I was thinking of something really specific. So we settled on candy uh, and that just, we kind of just rolled with it from there. And that, I mean, again, my cover artist is amazing. She's really, really good. I can't, I can't take any credit for like the work that she does, but um, yeah, it just depends on like how I'm feeling about the story Um, for race. I knew the guy was going to be a ginger. The guy in my novella wrapped is also a ginger, but we just couldn't find, we were having a hard time finding good Christmas images. So we just like went with a guy who had nice abs. (laughs) Sure. He's wearing a Santa jacket. Um, but for Rafe, I knew the guy was going to be bearded. I knew he was going to be a ginger. And I just happened to find that image. And I was like, oh, it's on. Like, it's go time. So yep. go with it. So, yeah, it just depends on, you know, and I want all my series, too, to have um, a different feel because they all are different. Mm-hmm. Wrapped is kind of in the fit universe. So we did the same title treatment as the fit books. Um, and if you'll notice, like, my author name is the same on some of the books but we try to really you know switch it up with every series so you know they're not all in the same series that kind of stuff that's awesome well and Jess I don't know what you heard from folks but um I think we heard a lot of the same sort of questions and observations and um some of them were kind of about logistics right like is it more expensive to do an illustrated cover versus either finding cover models or doing stock art. And then uh, there was some conversation too about whether the implications of that are different depending on whether you're self-publishing or publishing with a, you know, a larger house who's likely to cover the cost. Cause if I'm not wrong, you're, you mostly are independently published. Is that not, is that right, Rebecca? All my FF stuff is put out with bold strokes books. And then all of my MF stuff has been self-published so far. Got it. Did, did, did that feel like a difference in terms of how covers went, like, were you, did you feel like you had the control that you wanted when you were publishing with Bold Strokes? Um, Bold Strokes was very flexible. They worked, I mean, I think I haven't put out a book with them in a little while. So like back when we were doing most of our stuff, again, it was difficult to find stock, but for like better off red, I feel like they knocked that out of the park. Um, Blacker than blue again was difficult just because like, they're just not, 
that's changed in the last couple years, but for a long time, there was just not really great stock images of black women. So that one, we went back to the drawing board um, a few times, but I you know, was happy with the final result. Uh, my favorite cover that they did for me was Soul to Keep. Uh, that was like a one and done. They came back with that cover and I was like, this is perfect. And then we were, <laughs> it was, you know, beautiful Asian woman on the cover. It, it, the, the feel of the cover was great. The model is just stunning. Um, so that was great. But th- they, they're wonderful in terms of like working with you. Um, but again, they do use stock, uh, which a lot of publishers do. So, you know, it's not, but I think it's been, I mean, about the same. And then just, I can't, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing some element of the conversation. What did you see or hear that folks were talking about? Well, we got um, one really interesting um, point of view from a male reader um, mm-hmm. who talked about how the illustrated covers actually made it a little easier Um, to read in public because um, if you don't recall one of my points um, was the conversation about um, from the the article that we discussed about you know the the clutch covers or the the very beautiful man ab covers um, that sort of are the touchstone of romance identifying covers and about how the the illustrated covers were kind of taking away from that a bit because you couldn't immediately identify a trade paperback with an illustrated cover as a romance and that could go different ways for different readers it could be people who don't usually read romance might find it but then sort of go into shell shock after reading too much explicit sex or um, (laughs) readers who don't read um, women's fiction or whatever you want to call it, um, not coming to those books because they're not obvious romance covers. So that was a really good perspective of like, if, if you really do have an extra layer of stigma on being a romance reader, then the illustrated covers might help be an extra barrier in from, you know, people who are butt faces. Well, I think that's a a good way of putting it. Um, But no, it was, you're right. I agree. It was a perspective um, of, you know, I think about myself reading on the subway or in public transportation and, you know, what, you are what I'm signaling if I'm reading romance versus what I intend to say, you know, cause there are, the stereotypes are real. Um, but yeah, it hadn't occurred to me that as a male reader, those stereotypes may even carry a different kind of, of baggage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I feel like the, um, I wish, I feel like we had one, I had one other perspective on it that I'm, it's not coming to me right now. Oh yeah. Um, so Michelle Jenkins at the daily waffle, um, wrote a post, uh, that she, she linked Jess and I to about these kinds of covers. And she had a lot of, I thought, interesting observations. We'll, we'll link to her post in our show notes. Um, but one of the ones that she made that, um, I thought was interesting was she kind of wondered aloud as a a person of color, as a a writer of color, whether some of these covers are trying to, because they are illustrations, sort of animations, as opposed to real cover models, trying to make uh, romance, um, as she put it, more 
palatable uh, hmm. to people. And, and she's hoping not, right? Of course, she was hoping that folks would object to that in the way that she would. Um, but whether it was specifically because this phenomenon, um, you know, a lot of the Berkeley titles have been uh, authors of color and um Certainly not that again, that's not universally true across the board, but she linked to the new um, Alicia Rye cover, which she's super excited about the book, super excited about the cover. But I think there is that little bit of wariness that um, that makes sense. It was interesting for me to read that perspective as well. Yeah, yeah but Jessica, would you like to go first? <laughs> I, well, I was going to say, Alicia Rye, <laughs> interestingly enough, that same day tweeted about her cover and um, about how with the with the illustrated cover, there was that lack of need to connect the your vision of a character to a person on the cover. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, there was a whole tweet thread. Um, it's probably still there. and um, But I just wanted to throw that out there. I think it's, I think what's difficult is that, I mean, I don't work for a publisher, so I can't be like, oh, Berkeley's doing this. Oh, Avon's doing this. Oh, Simon & Schuster's doing this. Because, you know, um, Sally Thorne had the hating game come out. That's not... Mm-hmm. You know, that's white people. Samantha Young's had a book come out. Um, Fire Flight, that has white people on the cover as well. There's Helena Hunting has one. There's a bunch coming out, not from Berkeley, that have mm-hmm. people on the cover. Um, and I, I think what's... I feel like it's such a layered thing. Because, like, you know, the gentleman reader said that it is easier for people to maybe read these books in public, but also like, what? Like, why does it, like, why are people giving people such a hard time for reading really anything in public? You know what I mean? So it's, that's kind of double-edged sort of like these covers are beautiful. I personally, I'm, I like a lot of the illustrated covers. I think they're very pretty. Um, but I think it like makes me sad that people are being like shamed for what they're reading. Like that's a, that's a bummer. That's a real bummer. I don't want, anyone to be shamed for their um, perfectly legal <laughs> things they do in their free time. Um, that bums me out. But I do, Absolutely. I do think it will be interesting to see um, how the trend goes. I think it'll be interesting to see, um, for example, if Berkeley does sign a woman of color and then give them models that are people of color. Mm-hmm. I mean, I if we are seeing three, four, or five years down the road, every single author of color a single publisher has all of a sudden getting illustrated covers instead of models, then maybe that's a conversation that needs to be had. But I think, you know, trends are what they are. We went through a really, really, really long time where there was just kind of like the Fifty Shades um, object covers. For them. Mm-hmm. Yep. We all remember that. That was like, we were going hard in the paint with the random object thing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, even, you know, I remember Jessica Clare has like a ton of books that, that have just the objects on the cover. No, Robert says, you know, a lot of people have that. So it'll be interesting to see if this kind of sets the foundation for a legitimate two, three year trend. Mm-hmm. If, if, all a lot of publishers start changing across the board. Uh, 
Well, if you're willing uh, to come back in two or three years and talk more about it, that would be really helpful. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Nice perfect. little retrospective. Perfect. Um, okay. Well, we, before we dive deeper into our other uh, many wonderful topics for the day, um, <laughs> Jess, do you want to do an ad spot? Why don't I? That sounds great. Uh, thank you very much to my one and only Duke on audiobook by Grace Burroughs, read by James Langton. Uh, sorry, scroll, scroll. <laughs> one minute, London banker Quinn Wentworth is facing execution. The next, he's declared the long-lost heir to a dukedom. Quinn has found his way up from the vilest slums, and now he's ready to use every dirty trick he knows to find the enemy who connived against him. I got I don't you just love a vengeance plot? Um, there's just one tiny problem. Jane Winston, the widow, is the is the problem woman. It's it's it, not only is it a woman, it's it's um, it, potentially two. Jane Winston, the widowed pregnant daughter Ooh. of a meddlesome prison preacher, crosses paths with Quinn in jail. Wow. Um, believing his days are numbered, Quinn offers Jane marriage as a way to guarantee her independence and to provide for her child. Boy, when it, when it rains, it pours. <laughs> it this guy's pours. life really turned around. Yeah, but. yeah. Um, neither thinks they'll actually have a future together. I love those. I I read one of those where it was just like, oh, guys, come on now. Um, they were wrong. He's a wealthy gutter rat out for vengeance. She's a minister's daughter who must turn a marriage of desperation into a proper ducal union. Are they doomed from the start or destined for a happily ever after? I think I can tell you which one. I feel like any trope that you would be excited about in any romance is in this book. I feel like it is. <laughs> There's a lot going on here. There's so much going on. Um, and I'm excited for this book. So if you are excited for this book and want to check out more about Grace Burroughs, the author, you can go to her website, Grace Burroughs, B-U-R-R-O-W-E-S dot com. And she is also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Instagram is Grace Burroughs Author. So once again, my one and only Duke, check it out on audiobook, read by James Langton. Wow. Well, thank you to them for sponsoring When in Romance. I will say, though, to you both, that does not, to me, sound, it sounds like an amazing book. It doesn't sound like a particularly fluffy read. Sounds pretty <laughs> nasty. Yeah. Uh, did you guys catch how I did that transition? Did that was beautiful. That? Thank you. Beautiful. I loved it. I loved it. Thank you. Um, so one of the main reasons that we wanted to bring Rebecca on uh, was because of a phenomenon that I observed over the course of the last couple of months. And uh, I, Rebecca probably observed it too, Jess. I don't know if you did or not. But um, what I kept seeing people talking about uh, your newest book, Rebecca, on Twitter and other social media as sort of a the way that I was sort of describing it to myself originally was like as kind of a, a comfort read. Like there mm -hmm. would be these references to like this horrible thing happening in the news. And you know, like, I, for example, I noticed it a lot, frankly, during the Kavanaugh hearings, uh, the second round of Kavanaugh hearings, the worst <laughs> round, although they were both bad. Uh, and yeah. 
people would say like, ugh, I can't deal with this. I'm just going to go reread Rafe. There was so many mentions of rereading. There was so many mentions of it as a book that people were turning to, to sort of almost provide a balm on their normal day-to-day lives that I don't know if I've seen that phenomenon happen in quite this way with a book before. Um, And it helped that I had read this book and really, really enjoyed it a lot myself. But it seemed like... um, you might be have an interesting perspective for us on fluffy reads, uh, Rebecca, which I've more recently learned that these books are more traditionally called, um, because this is not your only book that you've written in this style. But can you could you talk a little bit about the react? Well, I guess maybe it would help to give a quick description of Rafe, but then also talking a little <laughs> bit about like the reaction to the book and what you know you have noticed or observed about it since it's been out. Yeah, so. Um... The skinny of it. Uh, Rafe is basically a book about um, a black female heart surgeon whose nanny kind of dips out unannounced and leaves her two six-year-old girls without a daytime caretaker, or a full-time caretaker, rather. Um, Context and not spoilers, I feel like sometimes if you look at a black woman and you're like, why would she hire a white dude to watch her children? Um, He comes highly recommended from friends of hers who work at the preschool that her daughters will be attending very soon. So he comes highly recommended. Um, It just so turns out that not only is he perfect for the job, but they are both wildly attracted to each other. And when in romance, you just you just got to say yes, you know. Oh, my God. That was such a good that was such a good plug. We uh, we should have you on every week, (laughs) every Um, week. um, Um, Go, you know, go ahead. Continue. I think, well, I'll tell you kind of how Rafe came about. Um, A lot of my books don't have, like, really interesting origin stories, but I love Holly Trent, amazing romance author to death. And a few years ago, her and I were thinking about doing kind of like a really, like, her and I both write fairly steamy, but we were like, let's just go hard in the paint, like, sex page one, like just go in there. And we came up with the idea for a male nanny series. This was like hmm, six minutes before um, our friend who's in office now was elected. When Mm -hmm. that happened, we both were kind of like, okay, we can't do this. We both were, there was, we both had stuff going on. Like she's got children and I feel like children just take up a lot of time in general. Um, And I was just going through all kinds of like crazy life stuff. And then the election happened on top of it. And we both, our brains, both of us were just like, we can't do this. Um, Fast forward two years and I was trying to get some other stuff off the ground that was going, but I just, I needed to like hit a reset button. It was around the time when we were finding out that all of these children were being put in cages and separated from their parents. And I was laying in bed for like a good three days, like just dissociating. It was, it was really bad. Um, so I emailed my agent and I was like, I just, I need to like reboot my brain with a book that doesn't really have a deadline. I just can like do whatever. And she was like, kiddo, go with God. Um, so I sat down and I had written a good chunk of the first. Uh, Holly and I both have actually started two different nanny books. So I'd written a chunk of Wraith and yeah, it wasn't that good. Uh, 
I went back and read it. I was like, oh, it's kind of terrible. Um, and <laughs> it had like a different name that just like didn't roll off the tongue. And like, I was like, I got to change this. Um, um, thank you for that honesty, by the way. I feel like it's always good to hear, you know, that, you know, for folks that are trying to write or even do whatever, sometimes it doesn't work out the first time. Listen, mm-hmm. writers, like it is really painful. It's painful every book. You are not alone in your painful experience. Don't worry. Um, so I changed some things around and I, I changed some things around with Rafe and I changed some things around with, um, Sloan and her kids. And I have an amazing editor who also has kids around this age. And my sister has like a whole gaggle of kids. So I was able to kind of talk to them about their experience with six year olds, but I just, I sat down and wrote it and it was painful writing it. Cause like a lot of bad stuff was happening this summer too, before the Kavanaugh hearing. Um, it was a, yeah, it was a very rough summer and I just was like, I need to write something that's not going to bum me out. Also, let me say as a preface, I had written two fairly dark BDSM romantic suspense books back to back, Mm -hmm. um, Haven and Sanctuary. And third book is coming. I promise. Um, I was going to write the third book, but the plot I have that I am very, very happy with is the darkest out of the three, and I just, like, was not ready to go there yet. Mm-hmm. I think when I write that, I will be crying a lot, and I just was, like, not ready to go in that headspace yet. Um, so I was like, let me just write something really soft and light, and I think more importantly, like, I was, just, like, really mad at men. Like, I was really mad at men, and I wanted to write a guy who was not, like, perfect, because Rafe isn't perfect, but He's just a good guy. And, like, I have good men in my family, and I have good guy friends. Um, so I know that there's good men out there, and I was like, let me just kind of take bits and pieces of all these men that I know that are, like, good men and, like, craft this hero kind of based on, like, all these good men that I actually know and then give this woman who just, like, wants someone to, like, be there for her this really good man um as far as the reaction and the timing goes i i didn't like plan the timing i was like i like i need to like pay my rent and eat so i should probably put a book out sure that was was, like more i mean i was like i need money um so i put the book out ready it just so happened and i was actually worried about online retailers like not getting the book up in time for the release date the release date was supposed to be october 2nd well inside tip um i was worried that e-retailers wouldn't get it up in time and so i uploaded it early and it just so happened that that was like perfectly in line with the kavanaugh hearing i didn't that was not planned i was just like i just need to make sure it's up in time mm-hmm. and and tweeted and was like, yo, the book's up. So if anyone's like not busy this weekend, the book's up. And so that kind of, it all just kind of came together. Um, and I'm happy that it did because a lot of us are very sad and very kind of miserable right now. And I think that, I mean, I've been mostly, I'm really into true crime. We can talk about that some other time. Um, but I've mostly been watching like British dating shows, which I mentioned in race. Um, <laughs> and I've been watching like a lot of like the good place and like just rewatching parks and rec and yep. 
Um, I've been watching like Single Parent, The Navy Sick. I've just been watching really, really, really light, fluffy shows. So I figured throwing a light, fluffy book into the mix wouldn't hurt. That's my. I mean, I feel like I'm pretty grateful for that. Uh, Same. Yeah, but so I don't know, um, Jess. You and I have talked a little bit about this, but not a ton. Do you have a sense? I guess you, either of you have a sense for kind of what some of the elements are of a book that you would describe as fluffy. Like, what is it that makes this book different from, you know, either one of Rebecca's other books, you know, Haven or Sanctuary or something that's more intense, or even just another um, book that happened to probably come out the same week. Like, what is it about this one that, or this kind of book that connects with people? There's definitely the whole thing about relatively low angst like there's there's things there because nobody lives a perfect life but there isn't like you know a secondary plot of a stalker or like some element of such high stress and anxiety that you have to make it through just to make sure everything is better at the end. Like this feeling that it's all good. It's all, it's all so good. And this is just the sweetest thing and people are good and things, things are great. Like (laughs) you just have to, sometimes you just need to sit down for an afternoon and think there is no wrong in the world. Mm -hmm. I think Craft-wise, I mean, that's definitely, like, the sentiment I was going for. Um, another insider tip. Um, craft-wise, I, what I try to do is make the dark moment not between the heroine and the hero. Mm. So, like, in So Sweet, the, uh, no spoilers, but, like, the dark moment is really between the hero and the heroine, like, together as a couple and a third party. So it's the same thing... Um, and then the second So Sweet book, and So Right, like, the dark moment is more, like, the hero tries to do something right, and he, like, messes up. So their dark moment isn't, like, a stalker, or, like, he cheated, or, just, like, something, nothing, like, crazy, crazy happens. It's, like, an, it's a realistic understanding, or mis- mm-hmm. rather. Um, I, I can't tell you how proud of myself I am, because I actually had that observation about these books as well, is that whatever the external con whatever the conflict is that comes during the dark moment it comes externally and there's nothing about it that makes you wonder if the relationship between the two central characters is healthy you know i think Mm -hmm. there's no question that these two people have some kind of love or some kind of a connection and that it's a good and healthy connection but in order to create that conflict you have to have it come from somewhere, but it, it does seem like it comes externally. Right. And I think for, and no, I won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't read it, but in Rafe, it's, uh, the external conflict too, it affects Sloan's kids. It's not just, it's not just her and this guy, are we going to make it? But it's like, no, there's two small children involved. So you do get the heightened sense of like, oh, this could go really bad. But mm-hmm you're not looking at Rafe and Sloan and thinking like, maybe this isn't going to work out. You're like, this is going to work out, but like, how is it going to work out? So I found when the, when the dark moment isn't actually between the couple, but they have to like face something together, then that makes it more, it puts it more on the fluffy side. Mm -hmm. 
I think one of the other things, too, that I, I noticed, particularly when I was reading um, your books, Rebecca, although I'm, I'm sure it's true of others as well, is that there is a kind of a kindness and generosity toward all, toward not all, most <laughs> of the other characters and particularly the women characters. Like there was this line in So Sweet where um, the heroine describes the flight attendant who she, who she encounters very rarely. Like this woman is maybe mentioned in two or three times over the course of the first two books. And she said she seemed nice. She had kind eyes. And I thought like that's just such a relief too because so often in romance women are mean for no mm. reason, right? Like there's yeah. a cattiness or a just a meanness. And the fact that um, particularly with your characters, you are sort of so – the, the um, Monica, the woman who runs the – and this is not really a spoiler – the dating agency <laughs> where the two people end up meeting. You can read the book and learn more about that. Also <laughs> only is very briefly in the book and then is mentioned a couple of other times. But again, she says, I liked her. She seemed nice. Like it was just – there's just kind of an – a benefit of the doubt there that I think is really meaningful. So that again is intentional. Um, a lot of my heroines are black and if they're not black, 99% of the time they're women of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Jessica can tell you people are like really shitty to black women, like all the time. Um, and I just mean like, I've tweeted about it sometimes, but I, I feel like even just like every day walking around, like I know every single time I go to the grocery store, some white person's going to like push me out of the way or cut me in line or just be like really rude to me. I had a lady come up to me and start telling me that like Mexicans don't vote. I don't, it was like, just like, just, <laughs> like it was just weird. Like, yeah. oh, just stuff like that. We were like, what is, what is happening? Yeah. And yeah. I, and just a lot of like racist, like microaggressions, a lot of and macroaggressions. It's, it's in public with strangers. It's in the workplace. It's like it's everywhere, and it's also frustrating when you run into that in your entertainment. Someone wrote a really, really good article about. I gotta find it. It's about the character of like the fat black lady who works at the DMV, right? So, like, every single show, movie, whatever, you get this, like, fat black woman who is the barrier keeping this white person from getting what they want. And that fat black woman becomes this, like, mean, bitchy symbol who's, like, trying to, like, sass you from, like, getting your way. When in reality, that person is actually only just doing their, in the real world, they're just doing their job. They don't make any of these rules. That white person's probably being rude as hell to them to begin with. And they're asking them to do something that would cause them to lose their job and their benefits and whatever. And it's like, that's, that's actually the reality. But to see it in entertainment, it's like, yeah, man, these black women are just really out here, like pooping all over our party. Why won't they like give me a fake ID or let me like break the law? And it's like, um, so when I write women, especially black women, I don't want to do two things. What I don't want to do is, force readers to be reminded of that during their free time. I don't feel like readers need to be reminded of that like crappy thing that happened during the day while they're spending their time with my book. I also don't want black women when they're reading my books to be re-triggered. So like in so right, I'm not going to spoil her, but 
something happens where Kayla is kind of thrust into the public eye. If this were to happen in real life, you can look at what happened to FKA Twigs when people found out that she was dating Robert Pattinson. People were just throwing all kinds of racial slurs at her. Same thing with Serena Williams. Same thing with, with Meghan Markle. I mentioned that people said mean things, but I wrote one line about it. And then I wrote that a blog had written a really nice post about her. Because I didn't want readers to have to spend 10 pages or four pages or even one whole page thinking about how Kayla had to sit there and watch people throw racial slurs at her because of the guy she was involved with. And so I think it's really important to remember that when people are reading your books, they're spending their free time with you. And you can traumatize them with during their free time. And I didn't want to do that. You know, I hadn't realized that that was a thing that was happening to me in some books that I was reading that mostly aren't yours um, until you mentioned it. But, you know, there's this like tick that you have when you read a book by a person who isn't trying to uh, keep keep entertainment fun. Um, and it's just the difference, which is probably why I read so many books by authors like you. Um, revelations on when in romance. Well, I mean, we can't, uh, we're, we're not anti-revelation. We are in favor of, I think it's when it's, um, like I said, it's, I thought it was really noticeable and really lovely. And, um, one of the things that makes, uh, these books incredibly fluffy. Mm hmm. Uh, actually, so we will talk a little bit more about books that, um, all of us think are really great fluffy reads, but before we do, let me thank one more sponsor. Um, all right. So huge thanks to Dragon Shadow by L. Catherine White. Uh, Rebecca mentioned earlier that she loves, uh, the classic, uh, takes on books and, you know, there's maybe sometimes an interesting twist on those. Uh, for example, this one is described <laughs> as pride, prejudice, and monsters. Uh, no one said marriage to a dragon rider would be easy. Uh, Eliza and Alistair may have found their ha own happy ending at the end of Hearthstone, but the story is far from over. In Dragon's Shadow, the married couple once again finds themselves matching wits, charm, and swords as they are caught up in an epic battle. And author L. Catherine White once again infuses elements of Jane Austen's beloved novels with her own brand of magic. So this book again is described as Pride and Prejudice with Dragons. The first book in the series was Hearthstone, and it was a fantastical retelling of the Austin classic. Uh, Dragonstone, which is the sequel, is a perfect read for anyone that wondered what happened after the Pride and Prejudice wedding. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you would necessarily say that this definitely is what went on in merry old England, but you know what? Listen, I wasn't there. Far be it from me. Uh, so Dragon Shadow has an incredible world building. The story is full of creatures we know and love like dragons, but also some that you may not have known about. Um, so you can just jump into a historical fantasy that is accessible and engaging for all readers, not just fans for historical fiction or fantasy. So you can see how you feel. Uh, but it sounds we were asking or I was asking a few episodes back about uh, fantasy, paranormal and, you know, science fiction reads. I feel like Dragon Shadow probably fits that bill. So thanks again to them for sponsoring the show. That's Dragon Shadow by L. Catherine White. 
Uh, all right. So we talked about all of the many things that we love about your uh, books, Rebecca, but I feel like you are something of an expert on a whole variety of books. And so, I mean, I'm just assuming <laughs> maybe you wouldn't describe yourself. I'll have to ask the, the ladies of the Rip Bodice and find out um, how B and Leah would describe you. I have a feeling they would, they would give props that way. Um, so why maybe uh would you like to kick us off on a recommendation of a fluffy read that you would recommend for other folks um yeah so i would go uh, there's so many good ones you gotta put me on the spot Um, (laughs) if you want i can make jess go first instead because if i go first she and i pick the same book so (laughs) i wanted to make sure that i picked one that came out this year because i'm still my tbr is like bonkers and so half the stuff I'm reading came out, like, five years ago, and then I wanted to make sure that I was, like, dropping some more, like, recent stuff. Um, so Grumpy Fake Boyfriend by Jackie Lau. I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. If I'm not, Jackie, I'm so sorry. Um, it's, I mean, I feel like in the same vein as, like, buff male nanny. You have – I am a sucker for fake dating tropes. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, it's so good. And the hero is indeed grumpy, but the heroine is, like, she's so nice and, like, fun. I would hang out with this heroine. She just seems so much fun. And she really takes the hero on a ride that I fully, fully appreciated. Um, I won't say it's, like, ultra, ultra fluffy. It does have, like, a, a slightly more angst, but I feel like in the same vein, like kind of the drama between like external forces. Um, and you just get like a really good fake dating trope that turns steamy. And I just, I'm, I'm a sucker for that. So grumpy fake boyfriend, check it out. That is a great book. Plus there are donuts in that book. If I'm remembering right, I feel like there are definitely donuts in that book. <laughs> so, uh, totally on board. Uh, just since you and I picked the same book, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to talk about it? Sure, I can do that. Um, One of the books that I keep going back to that is so fluffy is Damaged Goods by Talia Hibbert. Um, It's... The, it's the 1.5, I think, or 2.5, 1.5. I think 1.5. In, in a series. So I didn't expect it to be as well plotted and lengthy as it ended up being. It's not as long as some of her other books, but it's still, it's a full length novel. Um, and this is about a secondary character in one of her other books um, who is pregnant. And she goes out to hang out at the seaside so that she is nowhere near her terrible husband, um, which is the external force that causes the dark moment. Um, and uh, she runs into her first love, and they get to know each other again. And it's just so delightful and squishy, and I love it. <laughs> I feel like, too, part of the reason that I picked this book as well is just, like, we... So, first of all, the main reason I picked this book is because I thought Jess hadn't read it, which is why I didn't think we would have picked the same book. But you actually could sub in a lot of the Talia Hibbert titles uh, in this category, because A Girl Like Her, which is the one that this one is a little bit spun off of, is also um, a pretty fluffy book. There's there's some, some stuff that I think, you know, the heroine's um, working through, and dealing with and and that's true of the hero as well but 
but by and large, they're just books that, yeah, that just kind of make you feel better about everyone and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I'm moving to my pick number two because uh, we had the same pick number one. But my pick number two, I've talked before on the podcast about how much I love Phyllis Bourne and her romantic comedy. Um, oh, is that just a, a cheer in general for Phyllis Bourne? <laughs> um, but and I think I've talked more about between uh, a rock and a hot mess. So I made notes uh, this week about the sequel to that book, which you can read without having read the first one, which is called Between a Honeymoon and a Hot Mess. And it's uh, a book. It's a second chance romance wherein um, the heroine Hope uh, wakes up in Vegas, accidentally married to her ex, uh, but not her terrible <laughs> ex that she just broke up with because he was awful, but like an ex from a while back. And um, it also happens just because, again, she just, God, these, the, her books are the best romantic comedies. I don't know how they have not been made into movies, but um, <laughs> he's also like a life coach, which is a thing that she actually sort of needs. And so he's just, Julian, who's the hero, is just a very sweet, nice like charming smooth guy who knows what he lost when um you know she was the well, the one that got away the first time and uh does not intend to let her go again so even though she keeps insisting that they can't stay married and that they can't stay together and they can't do all of these things um he's very respectful of her but he also is not willing to just walk away now that he's gotten a second chance at love um and these books are mm-hmm. just so like funny and silly and fun and lovely um so i as as always i absolutely recommend between um a a rock and a hot mess but this this book that i've just been talking about between a honeymoon and a hot mess by uh, phyllis Bourne, is a fluffy lovely romance that i would recommend as well uh sounds delightful it really is i phyllis Bourne is like i said she's like my favorite one of my favorite romantic comedy writers out there right now I still don't know how they haven't yeah. made her books into movies. <laughs> oh, sorry, you got muffled there for a second, Rebecca. No, I said Phyllis writes that good stuff. She's good. Oh, she's so good. Um, do you want to do you want to throw another recommendation on the table, Rebecca? This is the last one we'll make you do. I promise. <laughs> um, I try not to do this in every interview, and then I do this in every interview. Um, I have like a Beverly Jenkins problem and like every time someone talks to me, I'm like, you should read Beverly Jenkins. So <laughs> I'm saying it again, you should read Beverly Jenkins. Um, her most recent historical Tempest, um, is just so, it's the third and I'm going to, I forget the series title. I'm so sorry. The first book is Forbidden. Right. The second book is Breathless. And the third book is Tempest. And they're all women in the same family. Um, Tempest is just laugh out loud funny from the very beginning. Um, the heroine shoots the hero. Like, that's sure. like the opening. To- <laughs> it's so funny. Um, she doesn't kill him, obviously, because that would be a completely different book. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's very funny. What I really liked about this book is the um, heroine's internal monologues are so funny because she wants to cuss people out and she doesn't. <laughs> um, and I love that. People are being rude to her and she's like, I will cut you, but she doesn't say it out loud and it's so funny. Um, she also did a twist on kind of the mail order bride 
trope, the heroine has money and the hero is a poor doctor. So I liked that. I liked that twist a lot. Um, also, there's a cute kid in it. I'm a sucker for cute kids in books. Mm. And the conflict, again, is external. So it's not, it's a kind of like a fun external, or not fun, but like a dangerous external Western plot. It's not like a really angsty, bad thing between the hero and the heroine that happens. Um, I just, I don't know, man. You really can't go wrong with a good Beverly Jenkins relaxation read. She's kind of like the bomb to my soul. But I read her books when I get really sad, so... That's a that's a really good one. You should read the whole series, though. You should read all of her books. <laughs> so yeah, just yeah. pick up the stack. Yeah. So the recommendation, the box, yeah, uh, really. is uh, read all the books by Beverly Jenkins, but specifically Tempest. <laughs> um, that's yeah. You're never going to go wrong with uh, either of us recommending Beverly Jenkins. That is interestingly, I think no. that's the one in the series I haven't read. And so now that I know that it's so far on the fluffy spectrum uh, towards the fluffy factor, I will have to pick it up i think that series it starts off because forbidden is really kind of heavy it's about passing as white um and then breathless is like a little less heavy and then tempest is like the lightest out of those three perfect sorry i'm making notes which is why i'm not responding um yeah sometimes i actually like one click books while we're podcasting so the fact that i'm just making notes means you have more of my attention than usual um, <laughs> Jess, how about you? I see how it is. <laughs> Listen, I, it's your fault. You're usually the person recommending the books that I'm trying to go one click. Um, okay, speaking that's of fair. which, do you have another fluffy read that's you want to recommend? I do. And interestingly enough, I think this is a book that we talked about the last time we had a three person conversation. Ooh. I think. And I think I one clicked it during that conversation, which is funny considering the last bit. (laughs) And that is uh, Cinnamon Blade, Knife in Shining Armor by Shira Glassman. And this is a novella. It's 85 pages, but it's the greatest thing. Um, Cinnamon Blade is a superhero. And she really, really likes Soledad, who is, you know, she she's not a superhero um and cinnamon blade keeps saving her (laughs) and asking her out and she's like no dude you have to save the world um and it's just the most adorable hilarious thing and i love the universe and uh, there are aliens and vampires and uh, lots of like really fun conversations and it's the group of superheroes is just delightful and it's just it's a great 85 pages and i wish it were four times the length is it do you know just is there going to be more or is it a standalone i think it's a standalone but i mean but you know hey share glassman people want more <laughs> specifically one person in a book riot sweatshirt and probably yeah. everyone else too yeah 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 yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that is now the second time that this book has been recommended by two different people on When in Romance, so I will have to pick it up. Um, so I will do one last recommendation as well. And mine, unfortunately, is a little bit bittersweet because I was making a list last week of uh, some authors who I thought were especially good at the fluffy read. Um, and I included on my list an author named Ethan Day, who unfortunately um, we found out passed away unexpectedly this weekend, which is 
um, terrible news. And obviously our thoughts uh, and well wishes and prayers and whatever other positive energy we have are directed to his friends and family. But it still seemed I still wanted to recommend um, one of his books because I think there is maybe no better way to pay homage to someone than to uh, talk about what a positive impact they uh, potentially have had on readers and writers throughout the world. So um, I wrote uh, in a post a while back about a book that Ethan wrote called Second Time Lucky. Um, it's a male-male romance, and uh, Ethan was a, a gay male writer, and so he had a, sort of, a, I thought, a unique ability to write fun, lighthearted, fluffy um, comedy that was just, like I said, just very delightful. Um, and it could be, if, if you are not super familiar with, um, you know, a lot of queer romance, which I read some, I won't pretend to be an expert on it, but I think a lot of times uh, queer romance can be a little bit heavy. Uh, Treasure, actually, uh, which is one of Rebecca's books, is another example of a book that is less heavy and also lovely. But um, mm-hmm. Ethan uh, is particularly in this book. It's a second chance romance. It's again, um, an ex- it's an example of a book where again, like the people are just sort of delightful. Like Luke, who is the the narrator's mom, is a little bananas and. You know, their relationship <laughs> is complicated, but he knows that she loves him and uh, vice versa. And um, so there it's a it's just a great book where two people uh, who have who are together in college briefly haven't seen each other in 15 years, happen to meet up again in a bar. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the story. You know, they're both excited about each other, but it's a long distance relationship, which is hard. And uh, they have to navigate a lot of those sorts of complicated things. Um, I will say this book is uh, independently published, and and so if you're the kind of person that is um, driven a little bit up the wall by inconsistencies or, like, minor editing things, maybe it's not for <laughs> you, but I was able to kind of read around that and not really bothered by it just because it was so lovely and delightful and fun. And like I said, it's a, it's a great romantic comedy. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I would say Second Time Lucky by Ethan Day is, a, is another lovely, lovely, fluffy read. So uh, that, I think, is the end of my list. Is there anything that either one of you guys was uh, dying to recommend that you didn't get a chance? I wanted to throw out there that I've been I'm still making my way through this this collection of novellas because I can't seem to finish things recently. Um, and the collection is called Geek Out a collection of uh, trans and genderqueer uh, romances. And I've read a few of the stories in there that are just like adorable, sweet, toothache kind of stories. Um, One of them is Defying Convention by Cecil Wilde, which I know is available separately. So you can check out the, the, um, the novella itself or the whole series or a collection, I guess. Um, and it, it's it's just so precious. It's about two friends who have been basically online dating for five years, but they don't realize that. They're just like, oh, we're BFFs. We totally love each other, but we don't love each other like that. But we love each other. And they meet at a, a con and, you know, they're finally in the same place. So things move forward as they should as they should can you as they um, give us the con- the full collection name again jess geek out like geek um a, a collection of trans and gender queer 
romances. I hadn't come across that, and I'm super excited to read it. Yeah, I don't remember how I found it. You know, some things just come across your radar, and you immediately have to find out more. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes the universe just just works out. Yeah. Um, Rebecca, anything else you are desperate to recommend? Um, like, I'm actually looking at my Kindle right now, and I'm like, what is, like, super fluffy that I've read that I haven't talked about ad nauseum? Um, I would throw out If the Dress Fits, again, by Carla de Guzman. I, I love that book so much. I love that book. If the Dress Fits, and sorry, who's the author? Um, Carla de Guzman. Okay. Um, it's just so good. It is plus-size heroin, fake dating. There's a cute dog. The hero's a vet. It's also a friend to love her. Like, she just, she had all those good, good tropes. She really did. And it's really wow. funny. And the heroine, I mean, she she's plus size and her family, like, gives her grief about it. But I, I felt like she talked about it in a realistic way, which I really, really appreciated. The heroine's like, yeah, I'm chubby, and it annoys me when people bring it up. But also, I don't hate myself. And I really appreciated that she kind of drop that in there. You know, she was like, I, I may be a big girl, but that's not something that I hate about myself. And I thought that was like really nice that that was in there. Um, and I'll slip in, um, from scratch by Katrina Jeffers as well. Um, another, that's a menage romance that was quite shocking. Um, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. He's like a baker and a cop and a firefighter. Watch, I'm getting this wrong. Um, I the sex was really good, so I might be getting their occupations wrong. But um, that also was just like really steamy and really fluffy. So from scratch by Katrina Jackson, I should read that. I'm sorry, Christina, and her last name is what? Katrina Jackson. Oh, Katrina. Sorry, sorry Katrina Jackson. Sorry. Got it. Mm-hmm. Nope. I'm uh, like I said, taking notes and and likely to miss something. So uh, figure I'll, I'll ask more than once to make sure I've got it. Perfect. Um, well, and speaking of recommendations, uh, is it possible that you would be willing to spend a couple of minutes talking a little bit about, um, one of the best places on the internet to get recommendations, Rebecca? Mm. Maybe you're talking about women of color and romance. I am talking about women of color and romance, which is, as far as I'm concerned, one of the best places on the internet to get recommendations. Um, but (laughs) I don't know if everyone knows that you are the driving force behind it. It's me. Yeah, I have, I have. A few people who help me. I don't disclose their names. I don't want people to like bother them. Like, come to me. Don't bother them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm not doing it solo. I have like a fairy godmother who's been helping with the website itself, um, and then another kind of fairy elf who also helps with the website, which is fantastic. Um, but yeah, just a few years ago, I wanted to. People were saying that black women weren't writing romance to my face, which was really weird. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, I'm like I'm black and I write romance and we're at a romance conference. Like, what are you even talking? About? Um, so for Black History Month, I was like, oh, I'll just highlight a bunch of black women who write romance, and I found so many that I was like, oh, I gotta do this every week. Um, and then I realized that I also wanted to know what like other women of color were up to, not just black women, and it. It's, when you talk about diversity and romance and racial diversity specifically, it is very frustrating when people are like, oh, I can't, like the books aren't out there because 
I had to cap it to 15 books a week because there were too many books. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> your thing's not real. People and it's people who are published by traditional publishers and self-published. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, every week I try to put up at least 15 new releases. We were doing throwbacks for a little while, but that was, it was just like too many books. Yeah. Um, it was way too many books. Uh, yeah, it's been, I mean, it's, again, it's made my life like difficult in the sense that my Kindle is like exploding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even in my bedroom now, like, I do not have every book that I can find that I want to read that is in paperback. I try to get it in paperback as well. Um, so it's been bad for my wallet and bad for just like my shelf space. Um, but it's just been so amazing. I was able to find Mina and the gang at romance class in the Philippines through it. Mm-hmm. Um, just able to find like great, like native American authors as well. And just, I don't know. I've, I've, I've like everything that's come out of it so far has been good. And it's just been amazing to find so many books to read by women of color. For me too. <laughs> and me. It's I think like I think it's yeah, it's a fantastic resource because I think a lot of um I've heard from a lot of our listeners who would like to read more diversely and be just sort of read more inclusively, just make sure that they're having a, a more complete picture of what the romance world looks like. Um and on traditional media, you can't always find that full picture. And so um I know our listeners and book riot readers very much appreciate having uh, I know it's a lot of work, but um, we we very much appreciate you and your Greatly. yes fairy godmothers and elves and whoever else are willing to help. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, we are probably out of time. We've probably been out of time for twenty minutes. That's okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, if as Jess uh, was good enough to remember at the front of the show, if you have any recommendation requests or anything that you are trying to find, don't hesitate to let us know. Um, and don't forget to start reading Pride. Um, and oh, and I was going to say um, uh, the website. Um, and I think it's what is it at WC Romance on Instagram. Rebecca? Yeah, it's just uh, W-O-C in romance. And then same for the Twitter, same for the website. Because um, it's a great Instagram and Twitter follower uh, follow because like, at least once a week you will just see like all of these beautiful covers just show up on your feed. It's like the best. Lovely array. Um, yes. So, yeah, so hop on there and make sure that you are following them and that you are checking the website regularly. Uh, Rebecca, if people wanted to follow you as an author, is there a place that you would like them to do that? Sure. So I'm on Instagram as Rebecca Weatherspoon, all one word. Um, so it's just me. You don't have to go digging deep. Um, <laughs> and then on Twitter, since my name is so long, I'm just R dot spoon. So dot spelled out. So kind of a little a dot ham sort of thing, but R D O T S P O O N. We will make sure that we have that linked in our show notes as well. Um, you don't have any underscores, but Jess does. Jess, where Jess will people find does. you online? Online, I'm on Twitter at Jess is reading all one word, and on Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading. Uh, and that will be linked in our show notes also. Um, I am on Instagram at Trisha Haley Brown, and as I told Jess on our last 
episode, I figured I would change my Twitter handle so that it matches. This is a funny thing about Twitter. I don't know if you guys have heard this. They have a character limit. Um, so, well, I know my name is very long. <laughs> well, see, you thought of that before you told anyone listening to the podcast that you were going to make a change you hadn't made yet. So, I did change my Twitter <laughs> handle on Twitter. So it's um, it is at Trisha Haley Brown, but with no O in Brown. So we're just I'm just spelling it differently. I'm going to pretend like that's the traditional Irish spelling. So, um, so uh, yeah, again, we'll we'll link to that in the show notes too. Um, Rebecca, thank you so much for spending the time. Thank you for having me. This it's been was, a delight. It has been, and I feel like, uh, as is our, always our goal here in What in Romance, you made everyone's TBR uh, a fair amount longer. So, thank you for that. <laughs> doing the job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Jess and I will talk to you in a couple of weeks with a recommendations show. Um, Rebecca, we'll talk to you, you know, if you if you catch her online. <laughs> uh, so in the meantime happy reading everybody happy reading everybody